What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Fantrax Dynasty Baseball is here to help you crush your dynasty leagues. Covering everything from rookie ball to the major leagues, hosts Nathan Dockin, Van Lee, and Ron Rigney have you covered. And now, let's talk some baseball. All right, let's talk some baseball. It is episode 144 of Fantrax Dynasty Baseball, powered, of course, by Fantrax. I'm your host, Nathan Dockin, and joining me, I can see his beautiful face, is Van Lee. What's up, Van? Thank you. Yes, we're actually video, well, not necessarily video recording, but we can see each other via our webcams, and that's a first. We haven't really done that before, but I guess this is 20th century. We're really zooming into this, if you will. Except we're not actually using Zoom, so we're uh, we're Ubering. Wait, Ubering we can't really right use that anyway. either. We're conferencing. Either way, I can see uh, the shiny, bald-headed dome of one Ron Rigney as well. What's up, Ron? Yeah, I hope it doesn't burn your retinas to where you see purple spots like the rest of the night. But I do want to say it's awesome to be um, part of one of these calls where the first five minutes is not, can you hear me? Can you see me? <laughs> is this on? So it, thank you guys for getting your uh, your stuff together so we can do this smoothly. Well, so far, anyway, we'll see if this actually records. It might not. This may end in total disaster. Of course, you guys aren't you guys aren't eighty year old uh, Spanish teachers getting ready to retire either. So you have a little bit better grasp of these kind of things, I, I would think. Speak so. for yourself. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, that was. maybe you are. Uh, maybe you gracias, are. por favor. Sí. Uh, Donde well, está la biblioteca? Sí, mis pantalones. Bueno. El fuego. El muso. Um, it's nice of John Gruden to share the screen time with you there, Ron, as well. Well, you know, I, I don't like to brag, but I do, you know, I know some people who know some people and <laughs> you know, we can make some things happen. So Coach Gruden, since they're having to do virtual training camp, he wanted to accompany me here a little bit. And he, you know, he's just here for moral support. He didn't want to, didn't want to chime in too much. So he's just hanging out. He's got a, he's, I, anything you, I might know about John Gruden it, that it's that he likes to be silent and quiet and not speak a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. He does have a case of Corona in the hand that you can't see, though. So, <laughs> oh, as long as, as long as it's the right case of Corona, not a case of Corona. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's okay. Very unfortunate. It's yeah. Stay stay healthy down there, man. Um, that actually reminds me, we have football things to discuss. Shout out to uh, myself. I'm going to be doing some football stuff for fan tracks later this year. Ron, reminded me to ask you questions about that when we're done here. Sure. All right. Um, who do you like to podcast with? Uh, hopefully it's John Gruden. Anyway, you can tweet us at Fantrax Dynasty. I'm at Nathan Dockin. Ben is at Manly Van Lee. Ron is at The Real Mod Day. 
Eric Cross is not with us. Unfortunately, we had to reschedule some stuff. We normally record a night before this, but everybody is shopping on Amazon constantly right now, and it's affecting my J job quite a bit. So unfortunately, Eric could not be with us tonight, um, but you can find him at EricCross04. Uh, John Gruden is probably at John Gruden or something. I don't know. You can follow Faux Gruden on Twitter, which is one of my favorite follows, frankly. It's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, so I, I would recommend that. Um, if you don't have Twitter, you want to get a hold of us somehow, you can always shoot us an email. NastyTracksPods at gmail.com is our email address. And as always, if you like us, please show us your support by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. You can also support the show by going to patreon.com slash nastypod. And as little as $1 per month will get you access to our entire back catalog of uh, bonus podcasts that we have released throughout the years, as well as access to our Slack channel. You can talk to us all the time. You can also check out fun clips of the show on our YouTube channel. Go to FantraxHQ.com to check out our written content. I just released a pitching strategy piece at Fantrax HQ this past week, uh, looking at how my personal strategy will change over the course of if we just get a second half of the baseball season. So go check that out. Eric's got a lot of great stuff that he's plug, uh, pumping out in terms of dynasty stuff. And uh, so we're going to talk about that a little bit more throughout the show as well. Uh, a lot of prospecty goodness to be had as we continue to roll on this episode but um so we're going to on today's show discuss the final oh god i don't know how many rounds dozen rounds or so 20 rounds i don't know it's a lot so we're going to kind of breeze over a lot of it but talk about some of the more impactful picks the picks that stood out to us we're going to discuss what worked for our strategy wise for our personal teams what didn't work out quite so well we're going to look at some of our favorite teams uh that are not our own so a lot of good stuff on today's show recapping uh, for the final episode of that Fantrax Dynasty mock draft. It was a lot of fun. Great way to pass some time. Makes for a lot of great uh, analysis and banter. So uh, did I forget anything before we move on, boys? Sounded pretty good to me. I, I didn't listen, so sure. That's the key. Uh, just <laughs> tune me out, and I always sound great. I would recommend everybody do that, as a matter of fact. So uh, we're going to take a quick break then, and we'll come back and talk about the uh, mock draft. Welcome back to Fantrax Dynasty Baseball. It is time to dissect the final rounds of this uh, mock draft. Uh, it was a very good time. We left last week. We left out on round fourteen, and so we are going to, in broad strokes, uh, cover rounds fifteen all the way through thirty-three. So, yeah, 23 major league starters. We didn't draft a bench, and then just 10 prospects is how we went here, and we just assumed, of course, standard 5 by 5 And uh, so, uh, Ben, I guess I'll throw it to you first here. We'll go rounds 15, 16, and 17 if you uh, have a moment to kind of uh, peruse the picks that were to be had there. Anything stand out to you in terms of uh, you know, value picks? maybe some reaches at this point, just uh, in general, maybe how the positions were shaking out. Take it away. Well, first thing I'll talk about is my team. I took uh, Joe Musgrove 15th round. I had Michael Chavis in 16th round and Andrew Heaney in the 17th round. Musgrove, to be completely honest, was a timeout pick. I was busy or something rather. So he was topping my queue maybe a bit early, but that's fine. I like Joe Musgrove. Not a whole lot of 
there's nothing too special there, but I do believe he'll be a major league pitcher for years to come. So there's value to be had with that at this spot in a draft. Uh, Michael Chavis obviously has a little bit of power. Here's one thing I wanted to bring up about that with the Boston lineup trading Mookie Betts and uh, just the way that team's kind of shaken up, I guess is how I'd say that. Actually, the first place I noticed this was MLB The Show. That lineup isn't as good as it once was, or was at least even last year. So I think Chavis could find himself becoming a bit more of an important player of that group just because there's less superstars hogging the order. But overall, I'm fine with it. Again, a power play. Heaney is a real good pitcher. I think we haven't seen the best of him yet. So that's kind of how it panned out for my team. As far as looking around here, we can see some pretty solid picks. There's a lot of rookies that are being taken around here. We've got um, O'Neill Cruz, uh, Josh James. I guess you can kind of call him a rookie. Griffin Canning, Jake Fraley, Jeter Downs, Ryan Mountcastle. So there's we're kind of at that point with the prospects where there aren't really any superstar prospects, but there are names that – can help you in particular with say well griffin canning depending on whether or not he gets healthy or uh, but looking at ryan mountcastle players like that they can impact your team xavier edwards was in my a more high-end prospect that we saw out of this group so we're, we're kind of seeing the players who can help you out this year but also be a piece for many years to come and i think that's really kind of going to be the sweet spot. Those are the players that are going to win leagues at this point. So we're not seeing anything too crazy. Uh, Herman Marquez was in round 15. I think that could be a pretty solid buy, particularly in a dynasty league for his career, because if he does get out of Colorado, that's just that much better that he can be. Nolan Gorman was taken in round 16. That's Eric's boy. And I almost feel like Early on, we had people come in and were way too excited about him. Now it feels like people are like, eh, he's, he's just nothing. We don't, we don't care about him. And we did see some crazy strikeouts and all the things that I've been critical of kind of reared their heads. But overall, still a really nice prospect to get at that spot. Uh, Hansel Robles would be the last one I would say. I like him this year and for the next couple years as the Angels closer. I think the changes he made were great. So I think that's a really nice buy at round 16 as well. Yeah, so the the way I went with with my picks here in these three rounds, I ended up going Rysel Iglesias, so I took some saves off the board there. He was kind of hanging around a little bit at the top of my queue, so I didn't want to wait too much longer on that. I thought the value that I got it with Luke Weaver there was was solid as well in the next round. And then I went Yoshi Susugo, uh, 30 years old, not necessarily ideal dynasty, but at this point, you know, it, it was it was falling in line with my plan of trying to take every single ray off the board, which I got pretty close to doing. And to kind of look at him, though, when we'll talk a little bit later about strategy, and he it kind of fell into me messing up my strategy a little bit, where I got to a point where I needed to fill my third base spot, and he was kind of the best left on the board. So I got to a point where I just completely punted that and figured I'd go that route. But I feel like he's going to get some meaningful at-bats. I think there's some chance there for 20 to 25 home runs. I think they're going to put him in the lineup. They're going to move him around a little bit, but I think they're going to move him around in order to get him in the lineup as much as they can. And I, I think for me in these three rounds, the, the picks I like the most that came off the board are a lot of the prospects. And, and when I look at especially – in round 16, J.J. Bladé, Tristan Casas, and you, you mentioned Van Nolan Gorman coming off the board. Those are three guys that I like quite a bit, so they went right back to back to back. Like those picks a lot. 
there as well. Um, if you go down a little bit, or actually in round 15, probably my favorite pick of the three rounds just based on the value, and I kind of have a soft spot for this guy just because he helped me out quite a bit last year, was Colton Wong. And Colton Wong in round 15, when you can get a guy that is a potential 15 home run, 20 to 25 stolen base guy that hit 285 last year, I don't know if he replicates that. I think he gets pretty close. He is only 29, so you got a couple of years left of that. That's kind of a sneaky pick right there to you know add some double-digit home run power. Solid average. Remember, this is a batting average league, and you can get you some steals there as well, and you can get um, maybe 15 to 20 steals at this point. I think that's kind of hard to come by. I like that pick quite a bit. And as I look around a little bit more, probably the other pick I liked quite a bit around this uh, time period was another prospect, George Valera, that went to uh, Jesse Roche. George Valera is the guy we talked about the Indian system, super, super young, not going to get anything out of him right away. But I think that's definitely a pick that that, that I like as far as the prospects. Uh, as far as another pro guy that you're going to get some production out of, I don't think off the board here, Van, I like the Joe Musgrove pick, even though you timed it out. He was at the top of your queue. I think that's a solid innings eater, a guy that's going to have, you know, hopefully about a 4.25 to 4.5 ERA, add some strikeouts, and he's going to show up every day. So some solid picks here. Um, but like I said, I think that uh, the the prospects here in these three rounds are, are what I like the most that went off the board. So in round 15, I will say maybe my least favorite pick, I guess. I took Gio Urshela, and I got caught with my pants down there at third base because all of the good ones were gone. Um, I think it was either right before or right after me, Justin Turner went. And even if it was after me, I think I would have, uh, preferred Urshela. He's he's 28 now, so he's not like a spring chicken, but he really remade himself last year. I think he's going to be uh, a solid piece in that Yankees lineup moving forward now. And uh, so I think, you know, Justin Turner, 35 years old, he's still been hitting well, but he's been missing a lot of time as well. Uh, you know, how many years does he really have left in the tank? So I would lean Urshela that way, but don't feel great about it. It's not like he's got a ton of thunder in that bat. It's more of a like a batting average thing. So I think if I had this to... To do again, I probably would have gone in earlier at third base. Um, moving on to round 16, Mitch Garver went off the board in round 16, and I believe in a lot of what he did too, even if he regresses like a fair bit, which I don't know if he will, frankly. Everything in the underlying metrics, all, all the work that you hear behind the scenes that he put in in the offseason, uh, it makes his 2019 numbers look really legitimate. And so even with some regression baked in, I think that round 16 is a total steal uh, for Vlad there with Mitch Garver. Yet another reason that I kind of hate the fact that I went in so early on JT Romuto on a single catcher league, because with the settings with this one, we went single catcher to utils. Um, Luke Weaver Ron, I think was a really nice value there. And uh, I want to shout out the pitcher list guys. They've been doing a lot of uh, pitcher interviews. And recently they interviewed Luke Weaver and he was very candid in that interview. So I'd highly recommend going and checking that out. Really made him a more endearing pitcher to myself, which I have him in one of my dynasty leagues. And now as I should stop listening to those really, because it's, uh, I feel like irrationally attached now to Luke Weaver. So somebody's going to, you know, if, even if they offer me an overpay, I'm going to become just a bad fantasy player. Now I'm like, you can't have my Luke Weaver. Um, moving on to round 17, uh, let's see. It's Brandon Nimmo to Shelly B was a pretty nice pick there. Uh, Kristen Pache, I believe was another one. I went with Matthew Boyd. There was some pitching. I was surprised that he fell that far, frankly, but, uh, Pache was one that I thought I had searched for and he came up his own and he was not obviously, or else I would have drafted him earlier than that. 
but let's move on to round 18, 19, and 20 here. Ron, I'll kick it back to you. What stands out to you in these three rounds? So I went with these three rounds. I went Adam Hazley, Miles Straw, Malik Smith. So I attacked outfield a little bit. And I, I looked at Adam Hazley, and Adam Hazley's going to, if we end up having a season, he's going to get some playing time depending on McCutcheon's health. Get you a handful of homers, handful of steals there. And if, if there is another injury in the outfield, he's a guy you can plug in. But in this deep of a league, too, as long, as long as he's a fourth outfielder, I think that's fine. I like the upside there. Not expecting a ton, but still fairly young. With Miles Straw the next round, and I, the couple things I like about Miles Straw is spring he was on fire. He was he was hitting really well. Showed a little bit of pop more than we're, we're used to seeing from him. I don't know if that's necessarily for real, but I can get him this late, and even if he is a fourth outfielder in Houston, he's still going to post a ton of stolen bases as long as he's hitting, and even if he does hit, maybe he forces his way into the lineup and kicks somebody out. I don't know, but the other thing I like about him is he has that weird, I think it's shortstop and outfield eligibility, so he's a little bit flexible there uh, in your lineup, and then Malik Smith, at this point, when we're getting to round 20, and Malik Smith is still at the top of my queue for the last four or five rounds, Hopefully he cannot be as bad at the plate as he was last year. Even if he is and they decide to keep him in the lineup, he still stole almost 50 bases. So I'll throw that in my lineup. I, I, I don't have so much of a problem with these five outfield uh, leagues as far as putting these one-trick pony kind of guys in, in one of those spots. So I'm okay with that. Um, in round 20 there, I like Omar Narvez. He's a you know guy that we were all on last year. And I, I was kind of, you know, it kind of falls into what you were saying, Nate, about the catchers really, really slipping. I mean, when you look in these next couple of rounds, you know, you have uh, guys like Sean Murphy, Omar Narvez. You look, and you mentioned Mitch Garver last time. Kind of made me wish I hadn't taken a catcher so early either. So I think that's solid, solid value there. Another couple of prospects that I liked here, obviously Greg Jones for the Rays. I was kind of searching him up to when we got to this point, looking for guys for my team. I'd say probably my favorite pick. Um, I was actually kind of in between a couple of picks that I made, and my queue got kind of destroyed here in round 19. I was going to go Mauricio Dubon. He got taken, so I had to go Miles Straw. Uh, and then a couple picks after me, Dalton Varsho, one of my one of my favorite prospects, went off the board there as well. And then you got a couple of the Braves pitchers here. John Gray, I thought was kind of interesting. I don't know really what to expect out of John Gray. I don't know if this short season, if we end up having a short season, affects him at all. That was one I thought that was kind of interesting. Clint Frazier is another one that I thought was kind of interesting as well, since he doesn't really have a clearly defined role, and the Yankees don't really necessarily want to move him anywhere. So it'll be interesting to see if he provides any value anytime soon, but I think it's kind of a more down the road pick there as well. Also a little bit interesting with the Carlos Martinez pick there as well, just because we don't really know if he's going to close, if he's going to start, if he's going to be healthy, what you're really going to get out of him. But I figure when you're looking at him in round 20, 21, that's still not a bad value there. So my three picks for these rounds, I went with Brandon Marsh, my boy. I went a Homer pick in round 18, Ian Anderson, who's kind of my boy just because I like to make the Jethro Tull jokes. And then finally, uh, my screen just moved because I waggled my phone. Who is my 20th round pick was John Gray. Uh, John Gray really proved to me last year that he's a pretty good pitcher. Unfortunately, he still pitches in cores. So in a dynasty league, maybe the Rockies get tired of that and they trade him for someone. Maybe he's still stuck there for two or three years. Either way, I now know that for the two or three years that he's still stuck there, he's going to be a pretty good pitcher. He could be a great pitcher elsewhere, but he'll be pretty good in Colorado. Um, Marsh was a guy that if you're strictly looking at numbers through minor league seasons, you might kind of glance over him and say, eh, I'll move on. He's a tools over performance so far kind of talent. 
but most analysts and scouts say, oh, he's going to be good. So we know how good Marsh is going to be. As for a couple of other players in these rounds, in the 18th round, we saw Luis Urias go, and I still buy it. I still think Luis Urias is going to be a very good player. Uh, it's nice to see him out of San Diego. Perhaps he'll have a bit of a better chance there with the Brewers. In the 19th round, you mentioned Dalton Varsho. I'm going to touch on him. Don't like catching prospects, but this guy is the catching prospect who isn't a catching prospect. He's just a hitter, so I'm totally fine taking him there. And then I wanted to highlight uh, Greg Polanco, Gregory Polanco in round 20. I guess we just kind of are done with him because if you're getting him in round 20, he's – how old is he? I'll look him up. It just feels like people are are so sick and tired of dealing with Polanco and never really performing to the level that we kind of hope he would, that no one cares. He is 28, so he's a little bit on the older side, but there's still all the talent in the world, and I know he's coming off a bit of an injury. I think he's going to benefit, of course, from this delayed or non-existent season. So I think that's a really nice pickup there in round 20 for sure. Uh, so my three picks here in round 18, I went with Kevin Newman, just super bland, needed a second baseman who was going to give me some numbers now, and he needed to catch up on steals a little bit. So uh, Kevin Newman is, I guess, the answer there for now. Uh, Clark Schmidt is who I went with in round 19, and I actually, that was one of my favorite picks. Um, didn't garner any oohs and ahs. It's not a sexy name necessarily, but I think that he is a guy who's, if we have a 2020 season, he's a guy who's going to, uh, compete. He's going to give me numbers pretty much immediately, and I expect him to be kind of that number three starter. I think he's going to be able to put up quite a few innings. Um, you know, in, I, in I don't know. Real seasons. quick, I think I think Clark Schmidt's a really sexy name to be honest with you. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll uh, agree to disagree there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, man, I if I wasn't sucked in before I was after one of his spring training starts where he just looked uh, that off speed stuff in particular was just making hitters look silly. Uh, so I like Clark Schmidt quite a bit. And then round 20 uh, went with Greg Jones there had to steal some raised prospect from you there on uh, just build up my prospects a little bit there. Uh, but some, some of the most interesting picks to me, um, I guess nothing really stands out too much there in round 18. But round 19, some of my favorite picks here, Avisel Garcia is a really nice value there as a guy who uh, is going to, uh, with this universal DH, you should get some additional playing time there. Taylor Trammell, a guy who's going to, I mean, he's close to the major leagues, and uh, I still think he's going to be a very solid major league player. And Grayson Rodriguez should not have been there in round 19. Here's another guy. Uh, I searched for him uh, on my phone, and he popped up as being drafted already or I must have spelled it wrong, whatever. So he shouldn't have been on the board there. So I love that Grayson Rodriguez pick, like him a lot there in round 19. And, you know, uh, you already brought up Mauricio Dubon. Uh, I think that he is a really nice late round pick here. Uh, I believe the, the Universal DH would help him quite a bit as well because uh, as just about as soon as I was professing my love, I mean, everybody knows, longtime listeners know that we love Dubon on this show. Uh, but then, of course, the Giants signed Wilmer Flores, which he looked like a little bit of a roadblock there. But I think Flores would be a little bit more of a DH option there. And Dubon would get some more of the playing time in the infield. Um, so I think that that's a really nice upside pick there from Bubba. And then, yeah, round 20, I think we covered most of it there. Kenta Maeda, I think, is a really nice pick. Um, so let's move on to round 21, 22, 23. Uh, Van, back to you. What stands out to you in these rounds? All right, so my first three picks, or rather my three picks in these rounds, took Sean Murphy at round 21, of course, catcher with the 
Oakland Athletics. And that was, uh, I think we talked about this on the last show. It was a log in and take the player thing. First guy at the top of my queue. And I'm pretty happy with taking that player there. Uh, although, I don't know. It just seems like catching, you mentioned this earlier, Nate. Catching was kind of an interesting thing with this uh, this draft in that you could get late catchers so cheap. Like, it didn't cost you anything to get catchers. Uh, E5, Edwin Encarnacion in round 22. He's old, but he's going to be good for a couple of years. No reason not to take him in the 22nd round. And then I took Ron's boy, Shedrick Long, in round 23. I was literally just looking for a middle infielder that had some potential. And I don't necessarily think Shed Long's going to be an amazing, amazing player, but I think he'll play middle infield for the Mariners for the foreseeable future. So I think that was a totally acceptable pick. As far as the other ones that kind of stand out to me here in round 21, it wasn't a really pretty round. It was a lot of closers and closers are great. And I like a lot of the closers, but also two years from now, they might all be gone. We might not even have any of them pitching in baseball. Uh, Tyler O'Neill then kind of stands out to me and yeah, we've got the strikeouts, but there's so much power potential. So we'll see if it ever really amounts to anything. And with a DH in the national league that could only help him next up in round 22, Jesse Winker was still out there and Je- oh, sorry, Jesse Blinker. And Thank you. We, we know Jesse Blinker didn't quite pan out to the extent that Nate and I hoped he would last year, but there's still some really, really good potential. He could still hit 330, 350 one of these years because he has that good of back control. So totally fine with that. A universal DH he, will help him as well. Mm-hmm. And even if he's just a platoon bat, that's or okay. I mean, he's going to be on the right side of the platoon and it's the 22nd round. And then uh, I wanted to point one out in round 23 and that's Brent Honeywell. I'm sorry, Ron. I'm sure you've read the news. He underwent some procedure. Yeah, so he's done for another year. We're never going to see him pitch. I will say it right now. We're never going to see him pitch, and that sucks because he was such a fun prospect and uh, seemingly a cool dude. So I I wanted to highlight that one. Of course, this was drafted before that news came out, so we can't necessarily fault them. But the one player I wanted to highlight that I liked in round 23 was Danny Jansen. And here's a reason why you can wait on catching in some of these things, because I still think Danny Jansen made some really good adjustments last year, and he's going to be a pretty good player. But you got him in round 23, so not a bad pickup for that team. All right, so let's see. What did we do here in these three rounds? I, I do know that in these three rounds, my cue got absolutely manhandled <laughs> at this point. And, and Van, of all the people for you to snipe me that I was pissed mm-hmm. about, I was probably the most pissed that you sniped old Shedrick Long for me because I never thought in a million years that he would be uh, taking a couple picks for that. What I'm happy with what I did get there. But you mentioned around 21 closers went. I got Alex Colome there. I figure he's got a really nice opportunity for 30 saves this season. If Well, he's got the nice opportunity for saves this season. I don't want to say 30 since we're not going to have a full season if we have anything at all. But next season beyond, he has a chance to be the closer there for the next couple of years, so that's pretty decent there. Went Dan Vogelbach next round. I had to pick my best friend there. I needed some home runs. Uh, I'd feel a lot better about that pick if it wasn't a uh, batting average league, if it was OBP. But I'll take the 28, 30 home runs, whatever, and I'll plug that in and I'll be fine with it. Probably one of my favorite picks that I made in the entire draft is round 23. And, and you know, you say you like the Nick Ahmed pick. You think that's one of your best picks. Nick Ahmed is kind of a sneaky, sneaky guy, kind of in the same way that Colton Wong was. I, I had to pick, I think, Nick Ahmed up off of waivers in my 19-team league, and I plugged him into my utility, and I ended up starting him the rest of the year. 
19 homers, solid average, 82 RBIs, eight steals. So yet again, at this point, when you can get guys that could potentially give you double-digit homers and double-digit steals with a respectable average, that's great. Also, throwing the 80 RBIs, I think that's really, really good value at this point. But like I said, my Q got obliterated here. So some of the guys that I had in my queue that got taken, I had uh, Jamison Ty on there just to kind of see where he would go. I didn't want to jump on him too early, but, you know, a guy that you can stash and get at least probably a couple of good seasons out of. Of course, I mentioned Shed Long in there as well. Uh, Dylan Bundy's another guy I had in my queue that I think there's a nice little potential for some bounce back there. I'm not expecting a sub four ERA, expecting some decent strikeouts, but, you know, I think a, a good change of scenery will – will be a good thing for him. Uh, round 23, another catcher, Salvador Perez went off the board. So yet again, you're getting a guy that could hit you 25 homers, hit with an okay average, and you're getting him this cheap. So that the, the catcher was a whole different animal in, in, in this league. The other pick I liked there that I had at the top of mind that I was going to try to fill out the rest of my pitching staff with was Mike Miner. I like that pick there as well. If there's one thing that I've learned uh, from this mock draft exercise, it's that if I am ever in a, a similar league to this and it's just one catcher, I'm just going to wait, wait, wait on catcher. Because, yeah, my God, Salvador Perez in around 23 is obscene, especially in a batting average league. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not OBP like this is OBP but... where he's just going to tank you. This yeah. is batting average where he'll be totally fine and hit 30 home runs. So, yeah. Well, and, and, this, and this draft, too, made me kind of realize that I like catcher, the position overall, a little more than I originally thought I did. If that makes sense, I sure don't. <laughs> uh, it is a, in a single catcher league. It is a lot different um, yeah. than that two catchers, especially when you get to a fifteen teamer, um, like we're used to in the prestigious dynasty dynasty baseball league. Um, so yeah, round twenty one closers were another closers and catchers really dropped in this league. I wound up with four closers, like Jose Leclerc, the Texas croissant. <laughs> of course, as we love on this show, I snapped him up in round twenty one. And uh, Justin Upton, just a boring veteran outfield pick there, round 22, but should stuff uh, most categories at least as long as he stays healthy. And then round 23, I went Jordan Montgomery. I just really want that Yankees rotation, apparently, the back end of that. I don't know. Um, he's coming back from Tommy John. Uh, he was flashing really well before he went down with that injury. He's still pretty young, so a uh, decent little upside pick there. Not a whole heck of a lot else to say for those three rounds. So let's move on to rounds 24, 25, and 26. Uh, back to you, Ron. So what I did here was I attacked a few more prospects here than I had in previous rounds. So I went Hunter Green off the board there just because I, I wanted to try to balance my prospects since we were trying to draft 10. I wanted to try to get as close to five and five as I could. So I went with Hunter Green there, a guy that's got all the potential in the world. I just don't know how it's going to pan out. You know, the guy hits triple digits on the gun. So there's a lot to like there. Jorge Mateo. I went with him in the next round around 25, a guy that I think will have a role with the A's, or at least we'll have one pretty soon. Older prospect. I think he's 25, maybe even 26 so far, but really had a nice season last year. Really did it with the bat, but also tons of speed there to be had as well. And then in round 26, I went with Cody Hosey, the uh, prospect third baseman for the Dodgers. Justin Turner's not going to be around forever, so I think it's a, it's a matter of if he plays well, obviously, you know, he's going to get a call up sooner rather than later. So I think he's a guy that if we were playing this out, would it would help me quite a bit there. Didn't get my uh, cue so much destroyed here. I did like the uh, Will Myers pick there around 25, even though Will Myers has really kind of fallen off the face of the earth as far as what we thought the potential was. I love the fact still that you can get him so, so late, especially in a five outfield uh, scenario. And he's got that first base eligibility and he's still, even if he is not hitting 
you know, for a decent average, you can still get 20 homers, 20 steals from there. Uh, I thought that was okay. Uh, I, and I know we've talked about this before we previewed first base, but man, it is so crazy to see Joey Votto in round 25. It's, it's going to take some getting used to seeing him go that low off the board. So that could end up being kind of a lottery ticket type pick. Yandy Diaz, of course, another raid there, but I like that as far as, you know, the value there around 25 with all those interchangeable first and third base pieces they have that he's going to see the field uh, a decent amount. Uh, Matthew Libertor there, uh, prospect. That was a solid prospect to take off the board there. Um, I would say probably my favorite major league. Oh, another guy that I had at the top of my queue as well that kind of forced me to take Hunter Green is Mike Yastrzemski. I was going to take him to kind of fill out my outfield. Not super young, not super talented, but I think there's still plenty of chance there for 20 homers and a decent average for Mike Yastrzemski, even though the lineup's not going to be that great. So with my picks here, around 24, I ended up taking my boy, Scott Oberg. I was looking for another closer, and I had to go with the man who went undefeated in some 300 straight matches or something absurd like that before finally losing because he was tasered by Kevin Nash. What a travesty that was. <laughs> no, he's the, of course, the closer with the Colorado. Actually, no, I'm sorry. They named uh, Wade Davis the closer of the Rockies oh, way back when. It's not going to last. Oberg's a closer. He's the future closer for now. And I think he's a pretty solid pitcher. It sucks to have a closer in Colorado, unless his name's like Brian Fuentes. Do you guys remember when he was a closer out there and was kind of good despite going like 35 miles an hour? That was back when I listened. That was the old 06010 days when I would listen to uh, Matthew Berry and the Weasel. And they had oh, an entire thing called the Dirty the, Fuentes. The Dirty named Fuentes. After him. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, he was fun. <laughs> and he became an angel after that. Had a couple of productive years with him. Anyway, well, I, I like Oberg a lot. And I think this is a great time to pick him up. Around 25, I took another prospect. I went Jordan Adams. Again, this is a homer pick. He's an outfielder prospect for the Angels. He is. Uh, it's it's kind of wrong to say he's like Joe Adele because obviously Joe Adele is far and above the best prospect on the team and potentially in baseball, but he's a similar style player to Joe Adele and that he has tons of tools, super fast, but super raw. The difference here is when Joe Adele came into the minors, he hit the ground running and we've got him coming to the majors soon, if not this year whereas Adams is going to be a bit more of a project. The tools are there, but he's going to have a lot of work ahead of him to get into the majors, but still decent prospect pick. And then I end up going with Travis Swaggerty in round number 26 and another fun prospect. I think he's he's got it walks quite a bit, should be able to hit for an okay batting average, has a little bit of power and decent amount of speed. It's a, it's a roll of the dice, a, a gamble on a prospect here. And you're going to hear me say that with uh, my favorite picks of these rounds for pretty much the rest of the way out because it's the big prospect takes here that I like. Kyle Wright went around 24. If you've heard either of our shows, you know that I just can't quit Kyle Wright. His stuff is so good. It just hasn't panned out. So hopefully it starts panning out and he becomes a good pitcher like he could be. Eric Pena was taken around 25. That is another tools kind of guy that if it pans out, he's going to be pretty good. He's very raw. We'll see how that goes. I believe he was, he may have been Cuban, but I, I he was uh, in an inter- international signee and it was a nice pickup by the Royals for sure. And we'll also see if the Royals ruined him or not. And then finally, Daniel Espino in around 26. I uh, ended up getting him in the prestigious dynasty, dynasty baseball league and huge fastball, potential frontline starter who has just some some kinks to work out maybe a little while before we see him but 
a really nice prospect that I think that was a pretty good pickup for whoever ended up taking him there. Uh, we all have our kinks, man. You shouldn't kink shame. Mm-mm. Not very nice. Um, my three picks here, I went with uh, Luis Matos, tools the outfielder and the prospect in the Giants system. I like him a lot. I think I've got him in all my dynasty leagues at this point. Uh, pretty high upside, five-category producer potential there. And around 25, I snapped up David Peralta, just some boring you know, veteran batting average in the outfield there as I filled out my outfield. And round 26, I went with Ian Kennedy. I think that was my either my third or fourth closer because I wound up with four closers because they were just so cheap. So, you know, bad team, but very good closer there in Ian Kennedy. And in terms of other picks that I, I liked, uh, Alex Wood in round 24 to Chris at Baseball Pods. Um, you know, uh, older guy, obviously dealt with a lot of injury woes, but uh, he's very high upside in terms of uh, being – for veterans like there's a, a phrase that i coined years ago called old man upside you know it's not it's not just uh the upside of the youth you know the prospects that blossom uh there's some veterans that kind of feel like they've gone by the wayside for one reason or another but they've still got their own kind of upside i think alex wood is that type of pick heading into uh 2020 and even beyond and uh yeah will myers ron i believe you touched on him i mean at this at this point the it's just the stolen bases especially like even if he's just as bad as he was last year uh there are a lot of teams who could use the stolen bases like that aaron hicks in round 26 is another really interesting one if he can come back if he can stay healthy he's another guy who i mean particularly in obp leagues he is very very useful uh, but he could still be useful in this kind of format uh rounds 27 28 29 van what do you got i ended up taking chris archer round 27 I mean, look, Chris Archer's never going to be what we wanted him to be, which was a three ERA, 260 strikeout and inning pitcher. But he is a lot of strikeouts, even though we saw that dip a little bit last year. I think there was just some funky stuff going on with him. So who knows? This little bit of layoff might help him, too. But I think it's a, a nice little upside play here at the way back end of the draft, particularly if you needed strikeouts. And my team did severely. So I, I'm OK with taking that one. Uh, Hyun Kim, I ended up taking in round 28, and I blanked on his first name, but he's the uh, prospect who came over from uh, uh, the Japanese leagues to the Cardinals, Quang, Quang Hyun Kim. And Jeff Zimmerman, my co-host on the Launch Eagle podcast, really likes him. He says he's kind of a junk baller, guy who throws the kitchen sink, but a guy who can just kind of get it done. Now, I don't have a whole lot of hopes that he's going to carry my team. I don't think he's going to do the Miles Mikolas thing, but I do think there is some really nice potential to be had there. And I was filling out a roster. And speaking of filling out a roster, I took A.J. Pollock in round 29. Here's the thing, though. Pollock, if with a National League DH, gets a, quite a bit of a boost because we didn't know how the playing time is going to cycle up. We still don't know. They might dodger all of those guys pretty heavily because of that team. But this is still a guy that, when he plays, has been pretty good. Last year was a little bit questionable, but still good enough to make me say, all right, I'll take a flyer on this guy who can steal bases, hit home runs. He can do pretty much a little of everything. As for favorite picks, we got Nick Lodolo in round 27. I like Lodolo. I think he's a little bit of an underrated pitching prospect because he's farther ahead than a lot of guys. He was a college-level guy. Strikeouts aren't really going to be insane, but they could be solid. So I think he could really pan out well. And here we are in the round 27, totally fine. Uh, Daniel Murphy went around 28. I think that's just a total roll of the dice. 
And if Daniel Murphy hits 330 this year or next year for that matter, no one's going to be shocked. So totally fine there. Uh, I will also say Ethan Hankins, who I know you like, Nate, as a Mm -hmm. decent pitching prospect by here. Uh, It's actually kind of interesting to me that Hankins went a little bit behind Daniel Espino, which Hankins has been the key prospect for the Indians as far as pitching for a while now with Espino being the new guy on the block. So that surprised me a bit. But then finally, round 29, Tony Gonsolin went right at the beginning of the round. And that is a guy that could be pitching in the Dodgers rotation this year. And if he isn't, he might be back in the minors. And you've got a minor league prospect you can hold for a bit. And he pitched pretty well last year, 2.92 ERA in his 40 innings. Strikeouts were a little bit down from what we expected. But as long as he's still close to a strikeout in inning, I think it's going to be a pretty valuable skill set. Yeah, so I went... With my three, I went with Hunter Renfro in round 27. And yeah, that's kind of 50% homer, but 50%. I needed some pop in my outfield, needed to fill my it outfield. Was 50% a little bit. homer and 50% homers. Oh. <laughs> did you see what I did there? <laughs> I yeah. see what you did there. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. So that, that ended up being an okay pick there. Um, happy with the power that I got out of that. Dakota Hudson in the next round, I'm not expecting. I, I'm not as as big on the hype train as a lot of people are on Dakota Hudson. I don't really see it, but for him being my fifth starter, I, I'm perfectly fine with that, especially in round 28 at this point. So I'll, I'll take that all day long. There's enough upside there that it makes it solid pick. And then 29, Shane McClanahan, Ray or not, he's one of my favorite pitching prospects in the minors. So I was happy to get him around 29, kind of fill out my minors there. Here again, we had a couple of catchers go off the board, Jorge Alfaro and Carson Kelly. Love the Carson Kelly pick there in round 29. That's super, super big value. Showed some solid upside with him last year. And then Wilson Ramos at the end of that round as well, yet another catcher that was absolutely dirt cheap. And, I, we're, you know, we're kind of in this, this part of the draft where people are just kind of filling out roster spots and going after their guys as far as minor league rosters. The guy that I think is intriguing that we talked about that we weren't necessarily all that high on was Seth Beer. And a guy that has kind of exceeded what we thought he was going to be in the minors. Now, it, it remains to be seen if he does that at the major league level. But I think that's a, you know, a nice little lottery ticket pick there in round 29. And I was going to touch on the Tony Gonsolin pick, too, Van. I think that's a great pick in round 29. He was a guy that was at the top of my queue that I was looking at for a couple of rounds. But he could definitely be in that rotation. Love the stuff there. Hope they can find a way to make him stick in that rotation and and, and pay off there as well. Um, I thought the, the – um, Daniel Murphy pick that you touched on too, Van, is kind of a head-scratcher as well. I don't know if I necessarily would have went there. But yet again, if you're just kind of filling out the roster, uh, I think it's okay at this point. Yeah, not too much to add. Um, With mine, I will say that for my picks in round 27, Ryan Braun was one of my favorite picks of the draft, a guy who I just can plug into my utility. And, you know, 36 years old, uh, I don't even care if he's 37 next year, if he's only DH eligible. Uh, assuming that the DH does come. And, I mean, he's a guy who could see a huge uptick in playing time if he doesn't have to see the field every day. I'm sure they'll try and get him his veteran rest days. He'll still get the standard nicks and bruises and be kind of frustrating at times. But he's a guy who's, when he's in there, and if he actually has a little bit of uptick in playing time, I mean, he can give you five categories pretty handily. So I thought that was a really nice uh, win-now pick right there in round 27. Round 28, on the other hand, I picked David Fletcher just because I needed somebody to fill out my corner infield. Uh, where I was, uh, I'm woefully behind. The rest of my team, I feel really good about uh, third base corner infield and not necessarily so much. So I followed that up with uh, our buddy, Dobby Dahlbeck, Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, hopefully he'll come up and smash some taters. 
uh, next year for Boston, and you know maybe he'll come out of nowhere. Kind of throwing darts at the wall here, see what sticks. I don't think a whole lot else really stood out to me in those rounds that you guys didn't touch on as I'm looking through this. Monte Harrison, nice upside pick there. Um, but, yeah, again, the catcher is Carson Kelly and Wilson Ramos, both in round 29. Carson Kelly, I if I hadn't taken JT Romoto, I would have been looking at him, no joke, 10 rounds before uh, round 29. So, Andrew McQuiston, you uh, won the lottery there with that one. <laughs> and so let's – Polish off these last four rounds here, 30 through 33. Ron, anything that stands out to you here? Well, real quick, I went by Bryson Stott, a little bit of upside there at shortstop, top 100 prospects still left there on the board. Uh, round 31, I went Taiwan Walker. I think that he ends up winning a roster or a rotation spot. I, I don't know if he'll get back to kind of what we saw before he had the Tommy John surgery, but nonetheless, at, at this point, he would be my, I think, my sixth or seventh starting pitcher. So I'm happy to take a flyer on that. If I get stashed on the DL for a little bit, that's fine. Around 32, went with Cameron Misner, outfield for the, outfielder for the Marlins. Solid tools guy. At this point, yet again, you're just kind of filling out the roster. So I, I like that there. You know, the, so all the bigger-name prospects are off the board. And then my last pick, I went with John Duplantier, uh, pitcher for Arizona. Got a little bit of taste of the majors, was okay. Kind of a post-hype prospect type guy there. So I, I, I thought, you know, round 33, that's some solid value as well. As far as other picks that I like, really like the Dalton Jeffries pick round 40. He was another guy that was on my queue, a guy that I wanted to take there, and he ended up getting sniped from me. I would have taken him other in in place of uh, Stott there. So like the upside there. And he's in a, not a big name. You know, he's kind of behind A.J. Puck and Lizardo there, but I think he could make a pretty big impact in that rotation. We talked about that before. Nate, or Van, I like your pick of Travis Shaw there. This late, to, you know, potentially putting him third base, first base, DH, wherever they decide to put him, that could be a sneaky 20 to 25 home run guy that, you know, nobody really sees that coming. Uh, we've seen it in the past. Not going to get a lot of average there from him, but I think that at around 30, I think that's awesome value there. As far as uh, – there's not a lot of major league picks here that, that I, I think are too great. Some of the prospects are okay. Like the DL Hall pick there, uh, prospect for Baltimore. You know how we, we love those Baltimore prospects on the, on, on the show, but I think that's one that could actually pan out. Also like the Brett Batty pick there. That was another guy that I was looking at there in round 30. And then last but definitely not least, I got to mention my, my guy, Jose Martinez, there in round 32 coming off the board. Nice uh, potential for some good average and some homers there around 32. How dare you claim him as your boy after all <laughs> that I've been through with Jose Martinez? Well, when he How becomes a Ray, he's, he's got to be kind of my boy. We, we share 50-50 custody of Jose Martinez, okay? Okay, so it's, it's kind of like the Cesar Hernandez situation we had a couple of years back. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay, all right. I could also claim Jose Martinez being in Cardinals country. So in theory, we Whoa. could go 33, but I'm fine. You guys can have him. Although he is a little bit more exciting with DH, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, all right. So round 30, Ron, you touched on it. I went with Ronnie Shaw and Re Ronnie Shaw, uh, <laughs> Travis <laughs> Shaw. Ronnie Shaw Who's is a Ronnie? character. It's a character from uh, Fallout 4, which I've been <laughs> playing a bit of recently. So yeah, two different people. Okay. Travis Shaw in round 30. Kevin Alcantara in round 31 prospect, round 32, Bryce Wilson. Uh, I don't think he's extinguished his rookie status, but uh, probably going to be in the, the Braves, if not rotation or bullpen this year. 
And then finally, I went ahead and said, screw it. Let's try another round of Franklin Barreto. Maybe it will eventually come to fruition. Nikki's almost out of options, or he might be out of options. So Oakland's going to have to commit or just move on with Barreto. So it's it's end of round roster filler at this point. A couple of prospects I like at least a little bit. And uh, like you said, uh, with Shaw, with Ronnie Shaw, there is a bit of upside if he gets back to doing anything that he did over the last couple of years, not so much last year. Uh, nice picks I liked. We had Khalil Lee going round 30. He's been kind of a, I don't know if I'd say a show favorite, but a guy we've been watching for a while, primarily because of Barry Baker. Barry pointed him out and said, hey, what do you think? Eight years ago when Khalil Lee was 12 years old. <laughs> and uh, he's he struggled a bit here and there, but still has loud tools. So definitely a guy I like you know, going for it. Let's see if it pans out. To that note, round 31, Daz Cameron was out there. Another guy that his stock kind of goes up and down based on how he performs the previous year. But tons of tools, and as long as he can hit for a somewhat okay average, he should steal some bases and hit some home runs. Uh, shout out to to Kevin Crone at the beginning or end of round 31. I don't remember which way we were going with uh, the National League DH. That sure could pan out well for him. I know, Nate, you've touched on Kevin Crone quite a bit this offseason. Braxton Garrett in round 32. That's a pitching prospect I always mention because everyone forgets about him. But he was a high-end pitching prospect for you, the Tommy John surgery. He's come back healthy. And I think we're going to have a few years of development that he could be very good. And then lastly, round 33, I wanted to point out Shin Su Chu, who just hung out there this entire draft. Everyone passing him up because he's in his late 30s. But guess what? He just keeps doing it year in and year out. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. But however many it is, he's going to hit home runs, drive in some runs, score some runs, do the whole shebang. Uh, Unfortunately, he's better in an OBP league but he's not going to hurt you in batting average. So it's totally fine in this league. Yes. And so my final four picks, I went Luis Angel Acuna, obviously the bloodlines uh, there. Uh, that's good enough for me to draft him at this point. Round 31, I went with Lewis Thorpe, who I really like at the back end of that twins rotation, Australian and uh, really pretty deep repertoire. Uh, I think that if we have a season this year that he will be able to impact, but if nothing else, 2021, I think he's going to be a very impactful starting pitcher there with the twins. Uh, 32. I went with Quinn Priester as I continued to fill out my minor leagues. And then Luis Camposano was my last pick in round 33. So still some really good uh, prospects going off the board there towards the end. Of course, only 10 prospects going on. So that was part of my strategy going in is just to just largely wait. Uh, and I, I mean, at this point, you can get plenty of really good prospects still. Um, you know, there was uh, Missile Urbina in round 30. That's uh, still really nice. Jackson Core, Blake Walston, uh, Dalton Jeffries, ton of great picks there. Uh, Michael Pineda to Andrew McQuiston in round 30, I think is a really unheralded pick but I think that will work out really well for him. You know, he's got to finish serving out that suspension. So we'll see how much time he actually gets in this year, probably more of a 2021 pick, but that's how his team is geared towards. Anyway, he's not that old and he would, he pitched really, really well down the stretch before uh, he was suspended last year for the twins Uh, around 31, you know, kind of blah, I guess you still got Alec Manoa. Um, Josh Rojas is uh, pretty blocked now, but the DH is going to help his case for playing time this year. 
And uh, yeah, not a whole lot else. Steven Matz, I guess, strikes me as a guy who went pretty late there to Matt Williams. And uh, I think that is just going to about wrap it up there. Alexi, Alex Free Planez is Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. 495 players overall. I want to thank everybody for participating in this. It was a terrifically fun exercise and went really, really quickly too. Uh, very efficient drafting. So let's move on to a little bit of the uh, recap of our strategy of our own teams. So Van, I'll throw it out to you here first. Um, did your strategy going in pan out for you? Uh, tell us some of your favorite picks, some of your least favorite picks. Kind of it panned out. I wanted to really, well, like when we talked a few episodes ago about what we wanted to do, I kind of wanted to go for maybe a little younger than I would in a traditional dynasty draft because we don't know what's going to happen this year, but that was only slightly younger than I traditionally would, albeit younger. I think I have a pretty young team with the exception of a few players. I'm okay with that. What I kind of started to do towards the mid-rounds-ish was focus on some pitching because I never do that. I wanted to look at some pitching prospects, and so I ended up with Ian Anderson. I already had Jesus Lazardo, which is kind of what led me into that path. A.J. Puck, of course, on my team. Uh, Joe Musgrove, you could argue he's pretty young. Same thing with Andrew Haney. So I really kind of wanted to see what would happen with that, and I'm okay with it. My pitching staff is probably my biggest weak link provided – I didn't get any huge gains early on, like as in this year or early next year. But there's a there's a chance uh, a lot of these guys could pan out and it works out okay for me. So I ended up liking, you know, I'm not the guy who likes to take the rookie pitchers super early because I'm skeptical of what they can do. But I really did like where I got Jesus Lazardo, and I do think that's going to pan out, even though I feel like I'm lower than the industry on Lazardo, and that's not. That's not saying I don't like Jesus Lazardo, but it seems like everyone's like, oh, well, he's clearly a a 2.2 ERA, 280 strikeouts a season kind of pitcher. For whatever reason, it feels like everyone just assumes he is a true no-doubt ace, and I think he's just a true no-doubt really good pitcher with a chance for a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see how his career pans out with that. A lot of young hitters I really enjoyed getting there. Trey Turner, of course, was my first-round pick. Sean Murphy was nice to have. Uh, George Springer, I think, gets a little bit dinged because he's a little bit older. But I, my whole opinion on his career has changed. When he first came up, he was going to be a low, low batting average, high OBP guy who just did a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But he's become like Mr. I won't say Mr. Durable because he has had some some dings. But he's in good enough shape as a human being that I think he's going to have a lengthy career. And so I'm kind of excited about seeing that going forward. So I wish... I had taken maybe some more high-end pitching, but I think with some rebounds of my relief pitchers or A.J. Puck taking the steps forward that I think he will, I could have a pretty competitive pitching staff. Yeah, I think I did okay for the most part. I mean, obviously, it's all the, the name of the game is all about balance, trying to fill out as many categories on the stat sheet from each position as you can. And overall, I think I did okay with that. Um, I know I'm going to be a little bit light on batting average as I kind of look through the projections here on my squad. I think that's one place that I am going to struggle a little bit. But in you know, kind of giving that up, I was able to add quite a few guys that I think have solid 30 homer potential, a few late round guys that have solid 20 home run potential. I was able to take care of steals, I think, pretty well. I've got at least three guys that are going to give me 30 steals if, if they're healthy. 
a few guys here and there. You know, I've got a couple guys here projected for seven and six and three and four. So I think I did all right there. Um, I'm kind of like you, Nate. I, I screwed the pooch ma- majorly at third base, and it just got to the point where I just kind of full-on punted it and just said whatever, and we'll go with whatever's there. So I kind of addressed that a little bit earlier. Corner infield, I'm kind of the same way with you. I uh, would have liked to have gotten a little bit better there. I, I like my pitching, but I think one of the things I wish I would have done is after getting Cole and Glass now and Charlie Morton fairly early, I wish I would have waited a lot longer on my next two starting pitchers just because I think that could have remedied the issues I had on offense and maybe got me a couple of more solid guys there. Uh, offensively, uh, some of my favorite picks, I, I really like my Oscar Mercado pick where I got him. I think that's solid 2020 potential with a decent average there. Like the Victor Robles pick, I think that might have been a little bit early, but I was afraid that he wouldn't come back to me where I picked. Touched on Miles Straw a little bit. I like that as kind of a sneaky late round steals kind of guy that you can put a few places. I like him in spring training. As far as my prospects, I got a couple of my guys. I think one of the things I wish I would have done a little bit more of is is when one of my prospects was out there, I wish I would have just went and grabbed him instead of kind of waiting for some of these guys to fall, especially in kind of those, I think it was like the rounds like 19 to like 25. I got a lot of guys that were at the top of my queue that I really wanted that I got sniped from me. So I think I did a kind of a terrible job as far as, you know, getting my guys that I wanted, whether it be major league guys or minor league guys. I think it did really well as far as pitching prospects with Hunter Green, Spencer Howard, McClanahan, John Duplantier. So I've got some guys, you know, when, when Charlie Morton decides to hang it up in a, in a year or two and he's not pitching at a high level, I've got a couple of guys I think I can plug in there. So overall, I think I did okay, but obviously always room to improve. I feel very, very good about my team. I think I did a pretty good job drafting balance. Of course, the aforementioned holes at third base and uh, corner infield, really where I screwed the pooch there. Gio Urshula and David Fletcher, not exactly uh, stalwarts in Dynasty Baseball, but I think I drafted pretty balanced overall. I'm going to be a little bit light in steals. I did get uh, Elvis Andrews, Ramon Laureano, uh, Javier Baez, Cody Bellinger, Kevin Newman, all those guys pretty much projected for at least double digit steals, if not 15 or more. Um, but I did pretty well in the power department. You know, I took Chris Davis, I'm a lot more apt to take, uh, you know, a Chris Davis and Nelson Cruz type in these two utility slot type of leagues where we went one catcher, two utils. So as, as bad as I feel about JT Romuto, I mean, at least I've got the best catcher right now. So that's going to help me out right now. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got Chris Davis there. I expect a huge bounce back from him this year and it's not like he's totally old. So, uh, with the two utils, I don't feel too bad about him clogging up one of those slots. And I got Ryan Braun slotted in with the other one, but you know, got Cody Bellinger early, Javier Baez, like I mentioned, Ramon Laureano, uh, Fred Mel Reyes, of course, was, uh, one of my favorite picks for sure. Like if you look on fan tracks, this year he's projected for 32 home runs, 254 average. I honestly think that he could you know, if it was a full season, I would have been uh, on board projecting more like 40 home runs and a 275 average. Like that's how high I think highly I think of uh, Fran Mel Reyes. You know, Eddie Rosario, another guy who's just kind of quiet, but just gets it done. Uh, power was uh, uh, came up in a big way last year. Justin Upton, just a boring old guy. But uh, so I feel good about my hitting. But then uh, my pitching, I think, uh, is really solid as well. Jack Flaherty is my ace. I've got Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. Uh, Matthew Boyd, and then I've got coming up Forrest Whitley. I drafted pretty early. Still like him quite a bit. Clark Schmidt, like I mentioned earlier, I expect him uh, to contribute pretty quickly as well. And a ton of closers, you know, four closers 
I got pretty cheaply in uh, Jose Leclerc, Roberto Osuna, Craig Kimbrell, and Ian Kennedy. So um, feel pretty good about my pitching and my team overall. So a team that I think should compete in year one, and I don't think is going to fall off a cliff in in two, three, four years either. I feel like I've drafted pretty well for now and for the near future. But let's shout out, you know, this is a great group of people that uh, took the time to do this with us. So um ron if you had to pick uh someone else's team obviously you drafted the best team that there that's what we would all say but if you had to pick a team that was your favorite uh out of not us three who would you pick i decided to go and you know we talked about this a little bit off air and it was it was hard that there's a lot of offenses that i liked where i didn't like the pitching and vice versa so the one that i ended up deciding to go with was our guy chris at baseball pods went with his squad just because I, I like the the balance of the pitching and the hitting that he put up there. And as I'm, I'm kind of looking through this roster a second time, there's quite a few of his later round picks that, that we discussed today. So as you go down his roster, he, he did a nice job. I think of the balance as far as he's a little light on steals, but he's going to be kind of there in the mix in the middle, just because when you go down his list for all the projections of all the guys that he has, there's no zeros. There's only, then there's some guys that have one or two or three, but then he's got some guys that have 12 and 18 and eight and nine. So he's going to be right there and he's going to get some points out of that category, but he did a nice job of, of balancing average because he's got a few guys, you know, like the Jorge Alfaro's of the world that are going to hurt you a little bit, but then he's got Mike Trout. He's got DJ LeMahieu there hitting 297 projection, Xander Bogart's, with 288 projection there. He's got Josh Donaldson at third base, Nelson Cruz at utility. So he's also got a nice mixture of younger guys, but he's got some older veterans as well that, you know, like we talked about the Nelson Cruz's of the world still projected to play at a high level as old as he is. And he's also got a couple of my late round guys that I really liked. Will Myers, Colton Wong. Uh, we talked about Avisel Garcia. His name came up as well. So there's a couple guys there that, you know, those sneaky late round, potential double-digit homer, double-digit steal guys that I touched on. He's got a few of those. So I thought he did a really nice job filling out the roster as far as offensively. Pitching-wise, I wasn't as excited about his pitching, but I think he did a nice job. He has Patrick Corbin, Sonny Gray, Kyle Hendricks, Clayton Kershaw, Alex Wood, who we talked about as well. I, I think, you know, if we have a shortened season, we've talked about how that really benefits Clayton Kershaw, I think. And then Rich Hill, depending on what you can get out of Rich Hill. We know he's, he pitches at a high level when he's healthy. Obviously, we know he's never healthy. And then when you look at his um, his minor leagues, a couple of my favorite pitching prospects, yet again, two names we talked about today, Tony Gonsolin and, and Dalton Jeffries there. He only went with three uh, pitching prospects. And then offensively, he's got guys like Chaz, Jazz Chisholm, O'Neill Cruz, Will Wilson, Bobby Witt Jr. So he's got some, some big bats there as well. So I think he just did a nice job of attacking pretty much everything kind of all around, you know, you got a couple of those guys too that we mentioned that are going to benefit from that universal DH as well, but he's got a nice combination of power, a little light on the speed, but you know, I think he'll be okay there, but average, he'll be right there in RBIs. He'll be right there in runs. And I think his pitching is, is good enough to, to have him right there as well. So I think he did a really, really nice job. I'm pretty impressed with uh, Vlad Sedler's team, of course, at Roto gut on Twitter. Vlad's a smart guy. He teams up with um, Rob Silver on the Launch Angle podcast, my co-host, to do a lot of big high-end leagues. Offensively, it's just a team full of guys that I really, really like. Uh, we talked about Mitch Garver earlier, how great of a buy that is, as late as it was. Vlad Jr. is, like, how old is he now, 21? Is he 21? Maybe. 
that's too old for prospect guys at this point. So a lot of people are kind of writing him off after last year, surprisingly enough. So I really like Vlad on this team. Brandon Lowe, uh, Dylan Carlson's going to be a rookie player that if we do have a season, depending on the rules, might get called up and might be able to just rake because he's a really good prospect and player. Bryce Harper, consistently underrated, in my opinion, like Kyle Tucker, like Tyler O'Neill, Gregory Polanco, like we mentioned earlier. On the pitching side of things, here's what I've learned just from that little bit of us discussing the the pitching staffs we've looked at. I don't think anyone has a good pitching staff to the point where we can go, okay, that's the one that wins because we all went somewhat heavily against prospects or on prospects. So we can't, you don't really see those high end ones. So whoever ends up winning this league via pitching is going to be a total like, oh yeah, I guess I see that now. And that's kind of how I feel about this pitching staff. It's got some really nice pieces on there. I guess it all depends on what you think Chris Paddock becomes. And I think these, um, what's it called, projected numbers here on Fantrax are pretty accurate, where they have Paddock with a 393 ERA, 114 whip, 174 innings, and 189 strikeouts. That's a little more than a strikeout inning, but the ERA is close to four. And I think that could happen because he's still a two-pitch guy, but it's a really low whip. So I just kind of wanted to highlight Chris Paddock in that. I think there's a subset of people who think he's an ace right now. He's just a very, very good pitcher. Maybe he can blossom into one, but I need to see that third pitch become what it could be before I really buy all in on Paddock. And I think in redraft leagues, he's maybe a little bit, little bit overdrafted. Um, the rest of the pitchers on the team, solid names. We've got Luis Castillo. We know my history with him, but he's still a really good pitcher. Lance McCullers Jr., another guy that I just don't really want on my team, but you could foresee some really good numbers coming out of him. And then as far as minors, uh, I will say Vlad had some uh, decisions relating to the roster construction and how the draft was actually being done. I think his team is okay, but he might be a little heavy on prospects or a little light on prospects, whatever it may be. But guys I really like, uh, Jonathan India, I think is going to be a major league hitter. Maybe he's not a superstar, but he's going to be really good. Um, let's see. Corbin Burns has some real solid potential out there in Milwaukee. Justice Sheffield, kind of a similar deal with the Mariners. We'll see what kind of role he's in, but he could be a solid pitching piece for a future team. So yeah, I really like Vlad's lineup and I think he would perform pretty well, uh, for a couple of years here. I'm going to shout out Matt Williams. Uh, he's got a really stout offense, of course, headlined by Juan Soto. Uh, he went with J.D. Martinez early, who's a very interesting pick. You know, he uh, was he like the second round, third round, something like that. I, I think it may have the third round. I remember I still yeah. didn't like it whenever it was. Oh, see, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it because he's just such a flat-out good hitter that I feel like he's going to age really gracefully, kind of like a Nelson Cruz. Um, that's, so, that's the good comp. Actually, I like that you said that because – the path to him succeeding is a Nelson Cruz career because he's yeah. not an athletic guy. He's not going to be playing in the outfield for at all, honestly, if he should be. So if it pans out for him, he'll be DHing for 600 plate appearances a year and putting up good numbers. And I've seen him in person recently and I can back that up. He does not look like a professional athlete at all. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So who, who wins in an arm wrestling match? JD Martinez or Dan Vogelbach? Uh, Dan Vogelbach. Yeah, boy. All right. 
Uh, so anyway, back to Matt Williams' team. Uh, Kevin Biggio, I, I feel like actually he went a little bit early on Biggio as much as I like him. If this was an OBP league, it would be a different story, but still pretty solid second base. Anthony Rendon, Marcus Simeon, just really solid guys. Uh, Jeff McNeil all across the board here. Luke Voigt, Christian Walker, Ismani Grandal, a catcher. Uh, Nate Lowe coming up here. Rugnet Ordor is a really interesting pick. Uh, he, he went super, super late. So if he bounces back to anything, uh, that can be a really nice um, contribution across the board, except for batting average, of course. But he's uh, insulated himself fairly well um, against uh, a, whole, a whole lot of awful uh, batting average performance there uh, from Rugnet Ordor. And then on the pitching side of things, started off with Shane Bieber. And then as you look through this, like uh, his number two pitcher would probably be Eduardo Rodriguez. It's kind of like, meh. And then Cookie Carrasco, who I'm kind of out on just because I don't know what to expect after the leukemia. And, you know, he's getting up there in age too. So uh, then he's got other guys like Stroman, Tanaka, you know, it's kind of like bleh. So wouldn't have won the rotation of the year honors from me. But then you look at the prospects that he drafted. He's got Mackenzie Gore. Uh, Nate Pearson, Grayson Rodriguez, guys who have really, really high ceilings there. And some of them are going to be contributing very shortly here. So I think that, you know, obviously his success, I think, hinges largely on how those prospects will pan out. But uh, I will also mention that he is another team who's light in stolen bases. So, Ron, I think if we were to play this league out, you would definitely be trading like Malik Smith and Miles Straw to some of these teams uh, at some point during the season because everybody seems to be needing stolen bases that we're talking about. But once again, I want to thank everybody for joining us for this endeavor. It was a lot of fun. Uh, great talking points as there's no real baseball to discuss right now. Made me happy. Um, is there anything else that uh, you guys want to mention before we get on out of here? Actually, this is seemingly unrelated, but I want to ask you, Nate, Fernando Romero, What what is the deal with him? Because we were talking about him being a rotation piece before last year, spent a lot of time in the minors, just pitched a little bit in the majors, but had some strikeouts. What What is your outlook on Romero going forward? Uh, not good. He wasn't even able to. Still, right? Yeah, so he's a reliever for sure, but he wasn't even able to be effective at AAA last year. He just really, really regressed. Um it seems like even uh, with Wes Johnson, the new pitching coach, you know, who was able to pluck, um, oh, what's Martin Perez out of nothingness <laughs> and made him, you know, a fantasy viable starting pitcher for at least half a season. Uh, you know, it's kind of sad that he gets his hands on Fernando Romero. And, you know, granted, Romero has dealt with his share of injuries, but, um, you know, you really wanted to see a lot more from him. So um, I'm pretty much full out on Romero right now. Uh, 25 years old. I'm guessing that he's probably going to get a new start with a different team, unless he really turns it around this year. Uh, he's probably going to wind up getting a new start with a different team at some point. That's a name that just kind of popped up in my peripheral. And I thought, Hmm, haven't thought about that one in a while. I'll see what Nate thinks. Yeah. Had a lot of upside at one point, but yeah, between the injuries and just, he has not come along uh, really at all. So it's been very unfortunate with Romero, but yeah, definitely. I would say the ceiling for him, I would put as a closer at some point, if, uh, if he is able to take some steps forward, but I believe that's going to wrap us up for this episode. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this series about this uh, industry mock draft mock till you drop. I mean, what else is there to do right now? You can do some best balls or whatever, whatever uh, helps pass the time. Hopefully we get some good news here right now uh, tensions are only mounting between players and owners it's pretty ugly out there um, so hopefully we'll be back at some point with some good news so we will catch you at a question mark date i'll leave it open-ended <laughs> for but we'll see you then on episode 145 fan tracks dynasty baseball 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC. 